StatsNet Original Podcast. Welcome to Season 2 of the Diffability Podcast, brought to you by the DadsNet and Get Cycling. All kinds of cycles for all kinds of people. Head over to getcycling.org.uk forward slash diffability to find out more and to book your own demo. I'm Paul and this is Michael. Hello. And we are parents to four children, our younger twins, Loton and Lance, and our 16-year-old boys who are soon going to be 17, Levi and Lucas who have autism, epilepsy, along other complex disabilities. And together, we are the Atwell Bryce family. In this podcast, we'll be taking a look at a range of different conditions that can affect your children and speaking to experts from various organisations to get you the best advice out there. From early detection to helpful resources and even some tips and tricks to make everyday life that little bit easier. In this episode, we will be focusing on cerebral palsy. Cerebral palsy is the name for a group of lifelong conditions that affect movement and coordination. There has been a rise in prominence of cerebral palsy in the mainstream media recently, particularly through TV comedian and casualty star Rosie Jones. We spoke to Amanda Richardson and Pila Cloud from Action Cerebral Palsy, an organisation that is working towards improving public, professional and political awareness of cerebral palsy and issues faced by young people living with the condition and their families. Amanda Richardson. I am CEO of Action Cerebral Palsy. We started Action Cerebral Palsy as a consortium and uh, we really with the aim of making policymakers aware of the, the challenges that these families were facing because they lacked a single voice. Uh, previously, Scope that represented families and people with cerebral palsy became a planned disability charity and it left a gap. So I hope that Cerebral Palsy, actually Cerebral Palsy has done something to um, uh, represent these families and the needs of children and we've, we've done our best. And then I'll let Pilar speak for herself, but Pilar came in a couple of years ago to help with our awareness campaign, um, which was a much needed piece of work um, to again raise awareness, but I'll hand over to Pilar to talk about that. Thank you. Uh, my name is Pilar Cloud, and I um, have been focused uh, on an awareness campaign. I will talk about that in a minute. But my route to action cerebral palsy is I used to run a, a charity that provided a free early intervention service for um, very young children with cerebral palsy or with any form of um, motor learning difficulty. You know, seeing what parents were going through at that stage, I think when I left the charity, I was aware of what Amanda was trying to do with Action Cerebral Palsy. And I, I just reached out and said, if, if you need any help, I, I'd love to get involved. These are um, parents who are on a journey that they weren't expecting to be on. And without really any handholding, one of the striking things that that I was aware of, certainly at the charity, was that really nobody was signposting these parents to this free service that they could access every week, not once every three to six months when they can get their NHS physio, but every single week. And it was so disheartening. And the route that parents had to us was um, 
you know, largely thanks to other parents that they would meet in doctor's offices and compare notes. And so we did a parent survey uh, last summer, summer of 2021, summer of 2021. And one of the striking um, statistics, if you will, from that survey was that 60% of our parents said that they received no information about cerebral palsy at the point of diagnosis. So that left these children and these parents without that network of support that's so vital at that stage. And so part of what we're trying to do with the awareness campaign um, is helping to raise awareness about those early warning signs of cerebral palsy. And the earlier that you can be aware of something that isn't right, something that is concerning you, you know, we're just incur we're not trying to diagnose with this at all. We're simply trying to flag those early warning signs and say, look, if you have any concerns about your child's motor development, please speak with your health visitor or speak with your GP, get an assessment because the earlier you can get that assessment and get on that path to, to some form of intervention, the more long-term benefit that will have for the child and also for the family. Yeah. And I think from the early onset of being a parent where you suddenly have this child into your home, you know, you're so excited, you've waited so long to be a parent, the child is born, and then you have the health visitors involved and they check the growth chart, they check everything else, the centile, all those things. And suddenly as a, as a new parent, let's say, your child is not achieving any of those. You must be feeling completely overwhelmed. I think we had it with Levi, didn't yeah. we? Yeah. So we were, it were after three-year-old when we got Levi walking. So there were talks that Levi might have had cerebral palsy because there were huge concerns. And a lot of it were like just severe development delay. We've got a lot of friends with children with cerebral palsy. And it's so vast, though, the spectrum into it as well. There's some that... Like, as, as Fred's son, he's really severely, like, disabled with it and kind of bed-bound or wheelchair-bound, but then others uh, are the, walking. There's and, a child we know that can, uh, with assistance, yeah. let's say, can, with his father, can ride a quad. You know, you know the, the spectrum yeah, is so, so vast. And I, it's, it's like any other disability, I think. I think once you've met one person that has cerebral palsy, it does not mean you understand cerebral palsy yeah. whatsoever because it's everybody with cerebral palsy is so, so different. And I think what we want to um, ask for a lot of our listeners is what causes cerebral palsy and how can parents access treatment for the help and advice that is so greatly needed? So two questions. What causes cerebral palsy um, and how can that parent access treatments. What causes cerebral palsy? There are a range of potential causes. And I think it's really important that um, if a, if you have a if if a if a family has a diagnosis of cerebral palsy for their child, do talk to your medical team because there can be some very obvious causes um, and some very subtle causes. So, and sometimes it's a combination of several things, but just as, as an, and I, I sort of don't really want to give a list, 
but potential causes are clearly extreme prematurity. Um, uh, essentially, anything which interferes with the development of the growing baby's uh, central nervous system. It's, so cerebral palsy is a neurological condition. So as the baby is developing in the womb, um, anything that interferes with the normal development of the brain and the central nervous system can potentially result in cerebral palsy. So that, that, and that extends to before birth, during birth, and soon after birth. So if you think about what those potential causes of the, if you like, the interruption of the normal development of the, of the central nervous system, uh, and the normal gestation period is 40 weeks. So clearly, if a baby is born very prematurely, that baby's uh, normal development in utero is, is, is being interrupted. So extreme prematurity can be a trigger or, or, or can um, be a risk factor. So many, many babies are born prematurely, which do not go on to be diagnosed with cerebral palsy. So we talk about risk factors, not causes. Sorry, can I just chirp in here a little bit? You know, we're talking about prematurity. Yeah. How, how early on are we talking here? Well, you know, some babies are born at 24 weeks, even earlier. So, you know, very, very premy. What we call the premies, you know, the babies that would go into a NICU, a neonatal intensive care unit, to be looked after. So those those little ones will be what we call at-risk babies. Those are the ones that need to be really, really, even if they're healthy on discharge from the NICU, they need to be really carefully supervised and monitored as they go through those early years. The other risk factor not the cause, but the risk factor, is um, infection of either the baby, the, the unborn baby or in the mother, where there has been um, some, some form of interruption to, um, you know, oxygen, if you like, or the, or, the, or the healthy development of the fetus's central nervous system. Then moving through into um, when a baby is born, interruption to the airway, interruption to oxygen um, supply to the baby is a massive risk. Um, so if you have a birth trauma, or if the baby is born um, in a way that um, could potentially have caused some sort of interruption to the airflow, cord around the neck, anything during birth that, that could potentially have caused that, if you like, that, that damage to the brain. Um, is a risk factor. Um, and then anything after birth, for example, if the child develops um, uh, meningitis or has a, an infection, a viral or bacterial infection that, that could cause some form of damage to the brain, that is a risk factor as well. But all of these are on our website. Um, do you direct your listeners to our website because there are lots of, there's lots of information parents on that but the key, my key message would be do not jump to conclusions you know um these are risk factors and my daughter's just had a baby and of course knowing what I do you know I'm I'm sort of constantly I'm like a sort of meerkat you know looking at but the the danger is you jump to conclusions um so as, 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 as Pilar was just saying earlier and I think what is really important about 
uh, what, what causes cerebral palsy, what are the risk factors, is trust your instincts as a parent. You know, nobody knows your baby. Nobody loves your baby as much as you do as parents. Trust your instincts. If you think, if, one, if, if your baby's been discharged or even throughout their infancy and growing years, you're concerned about your baby and you, you just know something's not quite right. A lot of our parents, a lot of my parents I've come across in my working life said, it was when we started to go to play groups um, or mother and baby groups, we sort of realized something wasn't quite right. Um, and sometimes, you know, there is this wait and see, all, you know, all children develop at different rates, which is true, but, you know, let's wait and see. But please don't wait and see. If you are seriously concerned about the way your baby or child is developing, don't wait and see go and get it checked out. Those early days, we talk about the golden days of baby brain development, the most, the brain is firing off neurons in those first three years. And actually, mostly in the first year of life, the brain is developing like, you know, just exponentially. Um, those those pathways, those neurons, those networks are growing. And it is at that point that that baby will, if, if we can help that baby, if there's something hampering that baby's development, that is when we need to target. That is when that baby needs to be seen and diagnosed. So I, th I think early intervention is paramount, isn't it? It absolutely is. And I think, well, I, I mean, I'll say this across the board with regards disabilities in, gen in general and, you know, children growing up, growing up, early intervention has always been key, hasn't it? And I think that's what's the problem is now with the last couple of years, the babies haven't been seen as much because the health visitors because of COVID and everything. So are you guys seeing like an influx of cases that have been diagnosed a bit later and people not yeah. getting... Yeah, I, I think that was one of the striking bits of evidence at uh, the initial APPG on cerebral palsy, which was about, um, uh, you know, early identification and assessment. So we had a number of tertiary uh, professionals. So these are pediatric neurologists uh, giving evidence, saying that they were seeing children for the first time who were of school age. So this was five, six, seven-year-old children that weren't getting picked up until their reception or year one or year two teacher said, something's not right. You know, this child isn't stable on her feet. Um, you know, this little boy, uh, you know, falls over a lot more than the other children. Something's not right. And so at that point, Absolutely, you can start intervention at any stage, but they've um, they've missed out on those vital first few years where you can really have the impact you'd like. And so it is about that, you know, flagging. If you have a concern, don't wait and keep pushing. And one bit of advice we had from from a number of our parents, which I think is hugely practical, is take videos of your child at home. Because very often when you get in front of your doctor or your health visitor, your child may be asleep. 
you know, they may not be having a great day. They may not want to participate. They, you know, and so if you're able to say, look, here's a video, this is why I'm concerned. Yeah. I think that's really important advice for parents because it's different for us. We, we used to film the boy seizure because trying to describe them sometimes is really difficult. Whereas a neurologist can see something straight, straight away that a parent may possibly not see. And their expertise is this field. I and think straight that's really away, important for early diagnosis yeah. of cerebral palsy for parents to hear that. Be because your route into that diagnosis process, if you will, is going to be probably through your health visitor or your GP. And so they're, they're not specialists. Um, and you may only have five minutes with your GP. And again, if your child is asleep and you have to wake your baby up and, you know, you're not going to get the optimal focus on your child at that point. So if you can bring, you know, a video on your phone um, simply to show, um, I think that really helps. Uh, Pilar, I want to ask you, as a parent, what emotional support is out there for parents? I wish I could say there was a huge amount of support available for families at this stage, but there, there really isn't. And I think besides the internet and doing Google or other search engine searches, um, it's other parents who are the biggest help and so whether you're reaching out to parents through perhaps a Facebook group that you've been able to find or dad's net, there are some forms out there um, that you can turn to. We, certainly um, Amanda mentioned scope. They do have some parent forms that are focused for parents uh, of children with cerebral palsy. Um, there are um, a number of disability um, networks and groups they're not specific, though, to cerebral palsy, but they, I'm certain, can give guidance and help on um, financial assistance, um, you know, statutory, um, uh, your statutory rights. And that's one of those things that I think, again, you know, you're on this journey, but as a parent, you know, if you can be aware of what your rights are, <laughs> the number of parents I have had to tell me that they were not aware that they were eligible for this funding or that funding because nobody told them that. Uh, that, that kind of resonates a little bit with us years down the line uh, at the early stage with our boys. Um, I think and hearing... it is a lot better now, isn't it, because we were like pre-social media, so you so couldn't social... hook up to other families with similar conditions or issues uh, to find out. With for... social media, especially with like Facebook groups and stuff, as a parent, you're often able to offload in a safe place and express how you feel, knowing that other parents are going to resonate with how you feel. That's really important, isn't it? We get a lot of different parents' messages on Instagram, um, we're all different types of disabilities, asking where can we turn to, who can fund this, where do we go for this, and who helps with this, and we, we pinpoint them to different charities, but we're pleased now that we can pinpoint the cerebral palsy parents to you guys, that we've got another like link for that. So Amanda, if any listeners listening to this want to reach out to you guys, what are your social media avenues? 
Well, Twitter. So if you want to, the easiest way to do it is to, to go onto our website, www.actioncp.org. Then we've got our Twitter and our Facebook link there. Um, if they want to um, don't contact us directly, um, they can um, contact myself, amanda.richardson at actioncp.org or pillar, pillar.cloud at actioncp.org or go to info. There's a, a, a contact us button. They can, they can go to contact us through our info page. Um, and we will always, we're very, we're very, very, very small. We're a very small charity. Um, but we will always get back to parents, um, if, you know, as soon as we possibly can. Um, there is also a phone number there, which is my number. Um, and I will always try and contact people if, if they contact me by phone. Um, but I would say, you know, you, you guys and, and your parent forums are the bedrock of support you we Pilar and I couldn't even imagine what your the level of your experience is in terms of your ability to support other parents you you have you know we can empathize and we can give information and we can listen but we can never truly understand as you as your parent networks will and our, our, our families that we've, we've had the privilege of working with over, over many, many years. Just look after yourselves. Please, please look after yourselves. I think from a pet, from a parent point of view, when I hear you say look after yourself, it's kind of like we are, you know, how we feel and how what we think does not matter because the primary goal and the focus is always the children. So and you know no, yes, we, we we know we can't afford to get poorly and we're constantly run down and we are constantly knackered. And there is nothing worse, is there, when you see a friend and they say, Oh gosh, Paul, you look knackered today and you're like, Thanks. Well, you know, actually today I've made an effort <laughs> and I thought I looked okay. But there you go. But you know, I think what what we I we are now saying to people is when people are saying to us boys you look really tired our response now we are saying is yes we've earned this tiredness we've earned it because we are giving everything we can for these boys and more so we have earned it and on that note i just want to ask you wonderful ladies what are your top three tips for our listeners my first tip well i've already said it look after yourselves so as parents, take care. If you're a parent of a child with, with cerebral palsy, keep fit, mind your back, watch, keep yourself as strong as you possibly can because if you get a back injury, you're in trouble looking after a child with cerebral palsy. So for God's sake, please look after yourselves as parents, physically, mentally, and emotionally. Do whatever it takes. You you have to do that. So that's my first tip. My second tip is enjoy your children. Please enjoy them. You know, they, yes, they have these challenges, but see the child first. See the smile. See the love. They are your children. They're your precious children and enjoy them. And yes, they, you know, they will present their own challenges, but they will bring you joy. So just enjoy them as, as children. Um, 
And I think the other one is trust your instincts and, and fight to fight for your child. Just get yourself in your head ready to accept that your life will take a slightly different path <laughs> to other parents. Um, be informed, be the advocate, which you already absolutely are, but you will be your child's advocate and that is your role in life. But look after yourself, enjoy your child, be informed and trust your instincts. Well, that's four, that's all three. <laughs> I, I love them because... I want you to come and live at our house, Amanda. The, um... Because hearing you talk makes, me, just want, makes me want to cry because... You know, from as a parent, you can get like wrapped up, can't you, in the conditions and and the battles and fighting for different equipment and help, and you can get wrapped up in all that, and you forget to just enjoy the children and and yeah, I think that's really important. Pila, before we finish, do you have three top tips? Mine will probably be a little more practical, which is, you know, and I think we've said it throughout. You know, your child. Don't. Don't be fobbed off. Keep pushing. Always ask questions. Always ask for more information. Always ask when the next appointment is going to be, who it's going to be with, um, what you need to do, uh, when you should follow up if you haven't heard. You know, all these awful admin things that you shouldn't have to do, um, but just do it. Don't don't give in. Uh, at all and you know look at your local offer look at those parent groups there will be a wealth of information there and support and you know as amanda said just take joy every day in in what you're able to do with your child Every episode, we want to share with you our top tips and recommendations for getting out and about with your kids, whatever their abilities or needs are. This is Get Outdoors with Get Cycling. Get Cycling provide all kinds of cycles for all kinds of people. That's everything from trikes and tandems to wheelchair-friendly bikes and the ones with harnesses too. Head over to getcycling.org.uk forward slash Diffability to find out more and to book your own demo. So this episode we'd like to recommend Alton Towers for all you adrenaline junkies out there. If your children love that ex- uh, sensory experience with the wind in their face, you know, it's a great day out. We absolutely love it as a family and we recommend for lots of families to go there. There's so many different things you can do. There's the small rides, and you can take the whole day at your pace as a family. And you know, the child's needs are first there because you go with whatever that child is feeling comfortable with. And it's just a great, wonderful day out. So we recommend Alton Towers. Yeah, we've always found Alton Towers really accessible for children with disabilities and they have worked really hard. Um, so it caters for all different types of families as well, which we think is great. You can make a weekend of it and stay in the hotels. And if you're not into big roller coasters and stuff, there's lots of smaller rides and there's obviously the gardens and the all actual Alton Towers, the listed buildings, and it's a really nice scenic park. So we really like to recommend that to get out and about. Always take a Kugul just in case it starts to rain. 
because the weather here in the UK is very unpredictable, but definitely Alton Towers. And that's all from us for this episode. If you have found this podcast useful, then make sure to check out the other episodes we have available and share it with other parents. The best thing we can do as parents of children with additional needs is to keep talking, keep sharing and keep helping each other out. After all, we are all in this together. If you'd like to hear more from us, you can find us on Instagram at Atwell Family or click the link in the description below. Thanks for listening.